Welcome to another episode of Free Talk Live. The phones are open if you want to join the show. All you got to do is dial in at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Coming up, uh, we got some news about another potential attack on cryptocurrency at the federal level. Uh, Plus... We'll get into what's happening with Subway under boycott. We'll explain what has happened there with you tonight. You've got Ian. The nobody formerly known as Rich Paul. And Chris. Uh, so we'll get into the crypto sanctions bill, I believe is what the, the term was. It sanctions, Chris, that you wanted to talk about? Crypto sanctions? Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah it so is. It's fair to call it sanctions. We'll see who they're sanctioning in that case. But first, uh, we've been talking about all these voluntary, not sanctions-related targeting, but just because corporations want to show how woke they are and take a uh, position on the Russia-Ukraine conflict. We've we've just been seeing. I think it's now numbering in the hundreds of companies that have decided to cut off the people of Russia. From any kind of services. Actually, according to this story at Newsweek.com, it's now been more than 400 companies around the planet. Most of which are, uh, a lot of them are U.S.-based mega corporations. Netflix, for instance, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, McDonald's, uh, many different mega corporations. I wonder if that's going to increase the lifespans in Russia. Because they're not eating McDonald's. (laughs) No Pepsi, no McDonald's, no Coke. Yeah, it's an interesting question. Uh, Starbucks uh, apparently have cut them off, but not Subway, according to this story. With 446 franchised shops across the country, Subway is so far refusing to sever ties with Russia. Customers across the world, of course, have not taken the company's decision well. Calls to boycott Subway have been spreading like wildfire on social media, with Twitter users declaring their surprise at finding the company in the list of businesses refusing to quit Russia. Uh, at Yankee Mommy one on Twitter says, Grew up with Subway as they're from my hometown in Connecticut. Used to eat at the first and only location. I'm surprised as they're a company in one of the most democratic areas, misspelled with an apostrophe S, of the country. Never will I eat there again, she says. <laughs> uh, wow. another, another one, at When Lindy says, I haven't been to- You know, they didn't sever ties with America when they invaded Iraq either. No, and that's an excellent point, nobody. Uh, no, almost no one severed ties with the United States. Apparently, Democrats really care about this kind of thing if it's white people. Oof. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> There's some truth to that, but... Uh... <laughs> wow. At Wen Lindy says, I haven't been to a subway forever. Now I'll never go back to one. Which, of course, somebody else pointed out in the comments, like, well, that's not a really effective boycott. If you're saying you are not a regular customer, you have not been Mm. to Subway in forever, and now you're never going to go back, well, (laughs) not a real strong statement. Uh, But uh, anyway, so, you know, there's a bunch of people that are upset about this. Some users complain that a boycott would only hurt local franchise owners that are already hurt by sanctions instead of punishing the company itself. Subway has no corporate operations in Russia. There are approximately 450 franchised restaurants in Russia, which are all independently owned and operated by local franchisees and managed by an independent master franchisee. So what exactly could could the Subway Corporation 
even do. Chances are they are not shipping a bunch of lunch meat over there physically from America. No. They could deny these people permission to use their intellectual property, but, uh, but how are they going to get that enforced it, it's, under Russian <laughs> law? So, so um, I'm a little bit familiar with... Uh, uh, I've talked to um, Subway franchisees, I guess, um, really? yeah, over the years uh, on a number of occasions. And as I understand it... <laughs> Uh, there are franchisees who are, are not even getting their meats through like the official subway. subway sources. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It would basically uh, probably have zero impact if Subway decided to, you know, quote unquote, cut off their uh, Russian franchisees. Basically, the only thing that's going to happen is American businesses are going to lose money, but it's going to have no impact on the Russian franchisees owners because they can continue operating just as they were with or without the corporate headquarters. They just don't have to pay for franchises and, anymore. Right, right exactly. <laughs> and it's it's interesting because it, it, it's um, Russia has also um, said that they're going to basically uh, not enforce intellectual property law. Is that official now? American I know we, I know they were talking about that. I didn't know if that was like a done deal well, at this point. Well, I, I don't know if it's if the order has been like actually mm-hmm. issued yet, but it's almost I think a certainty that it's going to happen because how is Russia going to sort of defend itself in a sense mm-hmm. from uh these sanctions, right? I mean, they've got to do something in order to counter them and there're not that many mm-hmm. things they can do, but one of the things that they can easily do is not enforce intellectual property law. Of American yeah. companies or uh, or companies that are uh, based out of countries that are uh, sanctioning them, at least. Mm-hmm. So, and I say that because not all countries are um, sanctioning Russia. So. True, that's true. Yeah. Uh, there was a story just the other if day. If it was me, I wouldn't even go by go by uh, uh, country. I'd just say, hey, if your com- company is uh, is cutting us off, great. We have no respect for your intellectual property. Have a nice day. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and that's, <laughs> that's a much better position than what they were talking about doing, but thankfully didn't do. There was somebody in the Russian government who apparently had proposed nationalizing these companies. And mm. apparently Putin said, no, we're going to respect uh, private ownership in this particular case, which obviously was the, wow. the right decision to that's, make. That's more than uh, than uh, Justin Beaver up in Canada could manage. Mm-hmm. What's his name? Trudeau. Trudeau. Yeah, I mean, take me a moment. It's it's interesting. <laughs> people, people, you know, it's kind of funny. It's kind of counters uh, Sarah, who always calls into the show. Mm-hmm. You know what she's saying about how they're secretly communist, and it's like, no, they're not. Um, that's what a socialist state would probably do in this nationalized state yeah. circumstance. But they're not. They're not a socialist state. You know, you can call them a mafia state. You can call. Sure. Them, there's all sorts of names you can call them. Yeah. Uh, but a socialist is not well, is not. One. I mean, what they are is fascist. Because there's a uh, um, because of the interrelationship between the business community and and the government, and I would say that America is fascist as well. Sure. Well, it's a mix. You know, yeah. there's socialism, there's fascism. It's in yeah. all the isms. Well, so fascism is a form of socialism. It's just that it's not Marxist. Instead of uh, instead of the Marxist mm-hmm. model, they they. Uh, they have a unholy alliance of big business, big labor, and big government that kind of teams up and screws everybody else. If they are getting rid of intellectual property protections, would that doesn't that technically lessen the fascism? Um, 
I mean, I assume yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> yes. it would certainly lessen the fascism if if they uh, if they stopped enforcing intellectual property completely. But I assume they're going to do it selectively. Yeah, not clear yeah. on how that's all going to play out. It was but, selective in mm-hmm. at least what I was reading. Um, unfortunately, so they'll still protect Russian-owned businesses or corporations. Yeah. I mean, but, and that kind of makes sense in in a sense because of what their motivation and objective is. They're obviously not trying to hurt their own uh, people, so mm-hmm. to speak, or their own businesses, or at least they're not. Or I shouldn't say their own people, but they're not trying to hurt yeah. their. Uh, it's not people, the people who in power, benefit right? from copyright and patent as corporations. Right, right. Yeah. And, and and this is the thing. This is the thing that people frequently forget. Like the people of Russia are hurting because of Putin's actions, maybe, but the people who are benefiting or they want mm-hmm. to benefit are the, are not necessarily the general population. It's it's like certain uh, people in power and you know the people surrounding Putin and things of that nature. So yeah, I'm actually really happy to see this about Subway because um, you know when I first heard that McDonald's and these other companies were shutting down, I thought, well, what about the franchisees i mean unless all mcdonald's in russia are corporate owned uh what about the franchise agreements that these companies have and so here you got subway saying yeah look we're under agreement here with these people we can't just you know mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> we can't make a on it, this even if it was that corporate matters. even if it was corporate run it wouldn't matter because ultimately at the end of the day uh everything you need is already being done in russia for the most part anyway so they're just going to as you say nationalize it or you know allow the people who are running it to basically become owners of the business as opposed to the corporation that's overseas there's more coming up here if you want to join the show your thoughts on uh, what's been going on in russia and uh, we got crypto news on the way as well. You can take control of the airwaves here on Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, and the phones are open if you want to join the show here at 603 283 6160. That's 603 283 6160. So, uh, joining you in the studio, by the way, you've got Ian. Nobody. And Chris. Don't forget, you can join us online over at freetalklive.com. We have our own social media website. It is run on our server. It is not some sort of big media, big tech thing. It's a Mastodon server, which means it acts like Twitter, does a lot of the things that Twitter does without being you know, the evil big tech corporation. Uh, so we get to set the rules, and that means you got more freedom to speak over at social.freetalklive.com. That's social.freetalklive.com. We are talking about the uh, the news that apparently Subway is not going to be freezing their support for their franchisees in uh, Russia, where there are 450 franchised operators there, franchised restaurants. I don't know if there are 450 operators but because uh, you know, a lot of times one franchisee has a bunch of restaurants, but they say, quote, we don't directly control these independent franchisees and their restaurants and have limited insight into their day to day operations. You know, I remember back when I don't know, 2013, 2014, somewhere in that range, when there was news that a subway franchise uh, franchisee in the United States had started taking Bitcoin. That's right. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did whatever changes they needed to do to their checkout system that i don't know i guess it wasn't completely you know off limits uh, maybe they had some sort of independent uh checkout system there, there are things that the franchise franchise 
e owners are not allowed to do hmm. um with their stores there are rules just to be clear it's just right like branding rules and things like yeah, that right yeah um quality but, rules yeah absolutely rules. absolutely but um yeah but as far as sourcing food and things like that like you know as i said they've i've heard of franchisee owners who have sourced food from other sources and not through the subway official channels so i bet you some companies are tighter on that than others absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. because like when i saw the news that burger king had there was a whole story that we talked about about burger king having 850 locations but again under a franchise in russia and that burger king's home corporation owned 15 percent of that entire operation so they weren't in charge of it but so they said they couldn't stop them they couldn't shut down those operations but they also claimed that they were no longer quote-unquote supporting them so that sounded to me like they were cutting off the the supply of of the food but it wasn't clear i can't believe that they would be shipping food from america to russia no, they're not. That's got to be about the most expensive way to obtain food in Russia. Well, but they may have, have official America. suppliers in on yeah. that continent. Yeah, it, this know. is and this is the problem. They may, but if those suppliers are actually in Russia, mm-hmm. then they're in the same boat as the franchisees, so mm-hmm. they might as well just keep doing what they're doing. Yeah, and that's that's the whole point. That's the whole reason why you know <laughs> these franchisee owners are not going to be impacted by this because a you know their um their source of the food a lot of the source of this food this these sorts of things they're coming from within russia there are certain countries that import food russia's not one of them russia produces and exports food mm-hmm. um so it, this is not it's a big country yeah it's a it's a huge country it's a huge country i think it's I think it's is it is it the largest country in the world in terms of landmass? It's, uh, it's up know. there. It's up there. That's it's, a good question because yeah. the way they show you on the globe, it actually looks larger than it really You're is right. by comparison. But, but it's huge. It is big. It is, it is huge. Big. Uh, so yeah, so a little bit more here from this story at Newsweek about the again people now boycotting Subway, which of course makes no sense at all, right? Like it's it's again this whole thing of oh we've got a signal how you know with it we are for everybody out there and oh yeah we're going to boycott subway these are just franchisees for the most part i don't know what percentage of stores are actually corporate but a bunch of these subways out there are run by franchisees they have no they have no input basically into what corporate decides to do they have about as much oh yeah they they don't have any control over what corporate does right. and on the other side of it the russian french uh franchisees have about as much control over Putin as we had over george bush <laughs> yeah. when he was starting random wars right. we would have liked to stop him but you know what are you going to do they've got all the guns they're guarding all the doors and they're holding all the keys Starbucks has temporarily closed its 130 licensed locations in the country, and they claim Burger King halted operations in its almost 800 franchises, but we know that's not necessarily completely true. Yum Brands, which operates 1,000 franchised KFC and Pizza Huts in Russia, has also stopped supporting those restaurants. Again, what does that actually mean when it comes to being the corporate uh, sponsor or whatever the mother behind these franchisees for the the corporation to stop quote unquote supporting 
What does that really actually it's, entail? Yeah, what they're probably talking about is marketing, mm-hmm. um, because that's one of the big things that, like, when you're a franchisee, is that you're getting for from, the franchise fees for the pay? right for the franchise fees. They buy the um, the, the corporation buys the advertising, yeah, and you so, benefit from it. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. they're paying for marketing. You know, buying ads on television and newspapers and online and things like that. That's why you always see that asterisk at participating locations. Right, whenever there's like an advertisement for yeah. a sale or whatever. Mm. Yeah. And, of course, it'd be crazy for a location to not actually participate in that, but I guess some of them have the option to not participate there, in a There promotion. might also be another reason for that. Um, in certain cases, there might be, like, uh, I don't know, like maybe in Alaska or someplace where they costs can't are higher. get certain yeah. uh, ingredients um, or the costs are higher right. or whatever, and so they won't offer one thing or another in, in certain locations. Papa John's has also suspended all corporate operations in Russia, including those supporting its independent franchisees. In the cases of both Burger King and Papa John's, the companies each have... They couldn't possibly get pepperoni from Italy. (laughs) Each have one independent franchisee. They said they are unable to shut down. Subway said that it will redirect any profits from operations in Russia to, quote, humanitarian efforts supporting Ukrainians who have been affected by the war and that it's working to provide meals for Ukrainian refugees in its franchises across Europe. So they're still doing, you know, whatever <laughs> level of signaling that they uh, they can do. But that's also what companies who have already suspended operations in Russia, like Starbucks and Burger King, have committed to do. In his speech to Congress Wednesday, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky asked Americans to stop buying products that are funding Putin's invasion of Russia. In a passionate speech, he called for all American companies to, quote, leave Russia and, quote, leave their market immediately because it's flooded with our blood. I mean, here's one of the things that people are, are failing to understand. It it doesn't impact the people in, within power, right? Like no. this is not going to have any impact on them. They're going to um, print out the, the, the you know whatever the hell they're using to pay for their war. Right, right. It's it's going to affect it's going to affect your average citizen, but it's not going to affect the people in power. Um, no. When you're willing to use violence to achieve your objective, it's it, you know there's there's uh, I don't know if this is a saying exactly, but you can keep on you can hold on to power for a really really long time. And Putin has demonstrated he's willing to use whatever violence is required in order to maintain power. So. It, this is not there's nothing that these sanctions are really going to do to to stop you know stop this all they're really doing is hurting you know the little guy in the russia average yeah. person who can no longer go and get you know pizza hut right or whatever as long as he can fund his war machine uh you know and and you know that's basically it's all he needs the most ridiculous quote I've seen here is from a, a politician in the United States, John Cooper. He says, quote, it's so disappointing that Subway is spreading Ukrainian blood on their footlong sandwiches. <laughs> Talk about an exaggeration. More coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the Liberty Movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farm, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in Liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com The 
This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And I got to say, I'm not a a big Subway fan or anything like that, but the story about Subway not cutting off officially their franchisees in Russia does make me want to go and and get myself a Subway sandwich at some point just to... (laughs) Just to uh, show some support, because remember, it's not the people of Russia who are invading Ukraine. It's, you know, Vladimir Putin and his military that, of course, is under threat of violence. You know, if you don't do what he says, I'm sure you're going to be punished and thrown in a brig or or something like that, like like most militaries uh, around the world. And, of course, you know, whether or not Putin is invading or protecting or whatever, it just depends on which propaganda you want to believe. But regardless of whatever your opinion is, the people of Russia are innocent here, um, like all people everywhere, unless they've specifically, you know, signed up for the military and they want to go and kill some uh, some people in Ukraine, which the supermajority of Russians are not doing that. In fact, there are a lot of people in Russia who are against the war. Now, I did see there was footage today, apparently from some sort of rally that Putin had, kind of doing like a Trump rally, where they had a, a stadium full of people waving the Russian flag and, <laughs> and that kind of thing. Uh, of course, the counter propaganda to that propaganda was that they were uh, the people were interviewing people that were going into this stadium. And what they apparently what they claimed was that a lot of the people going into the stadium are government workers who are told you got to go or students who are told, you know, you're going to get a a extra credit or whatever if you show up at this stadium event. A lot of them supposedly didn't even know what they were going to. So, again, it's hard to really know what the the truth is, uh, even for people that are, are actually there on the ground, unless you really ask around and. Keep your mind open to discover these things. So we were learning here about Subway is they are on a list of companies. And I've I've got the actual list here that somebody at Yale University has been putting together. Apparently it's being updated multiple times per day where they have a list of hundreds of companies, uh, global corporations. And, you know, what are their statuses? There's four different status categories. There's withdrawal. That is to say companies that have made a clean break and are completely halting all Russian business of any sort. Uh, There's suspension, that is to say, keeping their options open for return. So McDonald's, for instance, has suspended their operations in uh, Russia. They've got 800-something locations. And uh, from what I understand, they're actually paying their employees there, which is very unusual. I guess they're hoping that this thing's going to be over soon and that they're going to be able to flip the switch and, and get operating again. You know, the interesting one is, I believe, Coke. Uh, Coke Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. Yeah, they were in uh, the Soviet Union back in uh, before before uh, before it became Russia. Oh, so, really? Yeah, it predates uh, <laughs> predates to the Russia. So it's I, I'm, I, and I think they are. I don't think they're on that list. They're on the list under the second category under suspension, okay. and then they have like a little bit of detail. So they suspended their. According to this, Coca-Cola has suspended certain operations in Russia. Okay, so they are suspending, which which is interesting because they were in the, they were taking part. You could buy Coke in the Soviet Union, right? So supporting the Soviets and the oppression of the uh, the Soviet people, uh, but oh no, now they've got to get out, right? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it's just all political. It it's, is. It's completely political. So the other two categories, so you've got withdrawal, you've got suspension, you've got category three, which is scaling back. So these are companies that are scaling back some, but not all operations or delaying new investments. And then the fourth category is companies that are, quote unquote, digging in. They're defying any demands to exit uh, the uh, to exit Russia. And Who's defying? That's really interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the uh, that's how they want to paint these companies as though they are some sort of bad corporate citizens and that they should listen to uh, the you know the woke left on Twitter. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and it's actually a pretty short list here, uh, according to this this category. And I'll I'll share this on our social site over at social.freetalklive.com so you can see it for yourself. But the digging in category, it looks like it's maybe two dozen. Okay. Uh, businesses not very long some of them any, are any that are name recognition some are uh, but uh, some of them i don't recognize at all uh name re- ones that pop out at me astrazeneca asus the computer manufacturer apparently they're defiant uh-huh yep interesting bose cloudflare emerson electric halliburton interesting coke, coke industries with a k o c h and then also sc johnson and of course subway is okay. on that list. There's another dozen or so that I just don't jump out at me as as recognizable. Hmm. So if you want to weigh in here into this, the discussion, uh, you can share your thoughts. The number is 603-283-6160. In other Russian crackdown-related news, we've been talking over the past few weeks, especially on Friday nights with you on, Chris, since you host Think, uh, not Think Penguin, Think Penguin's your company, but Freedom Decrypted is the uh, the video show and audio show that you do weekly it's more of a, a tech oriented freedom oriented talk program and so we've been talking about for instance how uh, russia has been cut off by two of the internet backbone providers at least as of yeah. last count that was last week maybe there's been a third one by now i don't know but uh, cogent i believe was was one of them if i recall correctly and then lumen was uh, was another one uh, so they've been cut off. The, now, that hasn't completely eliminated their internet access because there was like five or six total. So they've lost two out of. Yeah, it'll uh, slow their. It'll basically it'll slow their internet connection down. People in Russia, accessing the outside world anyway. But one of the companies on this list of companies that's not backing out of Russia is uh, Cloudflare, and that's an internet uh, company. They do kind of like. Would you call it DDoS protection Absolutely. to some extent? Yeah, that's and, their main thing. And, and Denial the big, of service The big protection. one is caching, um, which actually is interesting because basically, uh, if, if they have, they presumably they have servers in Russia, uh, and uh, well, they ha- I mean they they have to. They, yes, I mean that's they what have they do. In Russia, um, mm. and <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Um, and so all of these websites that like are not accessible uh, or would be slowed down. Mm-hmm. Most of them nowadays are using Cloudflare and similar companies to cache to bring that content closer to the user. So it's actually not going to get slowed down anyway. Mm. If they were to pull out, that would probably have more That'd of an be a impact. Big hurt. Yeah. Um, than uh, even the internet service providers shutting down. Well, there's a, a more kind of detailed story here about one of the consequences of this major corporate crackdown on Russian, the Russian people. Because remember, it's not the oligarchs and Putin's buddies that are really going to be hurt by this. But according to bleepingcomputer.com, Russia has now created its own TLS certificate authority to solve website access problems that have been piling up after sanctions are preventing certificate renewals. So this gets a little techy, but I think we can make this clear for folks every now and then 
you'll go to a website and your browser will show an error message and it'll say something like, this website might be insecure. Click past this, you know, check this box and click approve or whatever. And, you know, then we'll let you see it. Uh, There's a warning that'll pop up and it's very scary sounding when that warning pops up. But what that is telling you isn't so much that the website is per se insecure. It's just telling you that their certificate in a lot of cases has expired, right? Absolutely. And what does that mean, you know, for the average person uh, that a certificate has expired? Is it something to even really be concerned with? I mean, as a website, as a person who maintains a website, absolutely. But as somebody who is accessing that website, not necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, It it, it could be a a man-in-the-middle attack that's going on. So it's something Mm -hmm. that you do want to be aware of. The thing is, this is a certificate that was previously valid that's true unless they captured an existing certificate um but then there's no reason to believe it's a man in the middle it depends on the specific error message so nobody's actually talking about if you actually read the message and it's simply expired then not an issue but it might not necessarily just be expired it might be if it's registered to a different domain you know if if maybe something like qualified name on it is wrong or then you might have a man in the middle well what's happening here is sanctions are apparently preventing russian websites from renewing their existing certificates and we'll talk about that coming up Yep, it's Free Talk Live, and the phones are open. If you want to join the show, you can do that here. Number 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio with you tonight, you've got Ian. Nobody. And Chris. We're talking about some of the consequences that are piling up on the Russian people, which, of course, is going to do nothing but make them angry. (laughs) (laughs) It's not going to make them happy uh, necessarily uh, about the people on the outside of their country. It's not going to likely make them overthrow Putin. Uh, Sanctions have always punished the average person and almost never result in an actual overthrow of the, the government. Yeah, it so. actually uh, inspires nationalistic pride uh, yeah. when they do sanctions. Well, because Putin can make it look like he's their savior. Oh, look, well, yep. look at all these other people in the world are doing to us. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to protect my people. And so, yeah, it absolutely digs him in even further. Mm-hmm. So another example of what they've been doing recently here from bleepingcomputer.com is sanctions have been imposed now that are preventing Russian websites from doing something as basic as renewing their existing security uh, certificates, TLS certificates as they're called, which causes browsers to block access to websites that have those expired certificates, or at the very least makes it difficult for the user to actually get through uh, to the website. TLS certificates help the web browser confirm that a domain actually belongs to a verified entity and that the exchange of information between the user and the server is encrypted. Now, I think that we probably can have some critiques of the existing server certificate system because it's pretty centralized, isn't it, guys? Uh, yeah, it's it's very centralized. You, um, you know, getting on to the list of, uh, of approved certificate authorities is not easy. And, and uh, it differs, too. So they may well be doing Russia a favor because... That way, Russia figures out how to uh, 
how to uh, generate their own certificates. And then instead of sending 20 bucks a year to some American company for till the end of time, Russians mm-hmm. can buy their certificates from the new Russian certificate authority. But the question is, will the certificate authority be recognized by the big one or the whatever? browsers? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's interesting to say it's centralized. Um, okay. So, so the whole certificate authority thing is like, it's it's a bit dated and mm-hmm. it's not that secure, but it's what we got. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, you know, it's interesting to say it's centralized set up to suck money out of people. It, it, it is that's the whole point behind expiring certificates. Mm-hmm. It is, um, but it does depend on the browser. So you know, you might have a different set of certificate authorities in your browser or application, hmm. depending on which one you use. So there may be somewhere it'll show some sort of warning message in Firefox, but it won't show it in Chrome. Um, if hmm. your domain name is or your certificate is for your domain name is from a provider that isn't recognized um you know by one of the one of the browsers so just to be clear it's the browsers themselves the software that the end user is using that determines what is and what is not a legitimate certificate authority there's not another certificate authorities are the one who issue their certificates to websites right and but what you're saying is there's not an authority over all the authorities they're not like a centrally no it's it's not it's not centralized like facebook Mm -hmm. is centralized right yeah so it's it's kind of why i was kind of like kind of weary on that what you said just now nobody it's, it's not fully centralized like you're thinking probably but mm. oh, well I, I know exactly how centralized it is if you run your own certificate authority which i've done when i was an mis director for a company called masterlink um basically what you have to do is put the public key up on your web server where it's accessible by http instead of https so you don't have to get an encrypted um, connection to get it and you give the url to you, uh, for that to your users and they click on it and download it and the browser asks them if they want to install it and they mm. say yes and the browser says are you sure and they say yes and then the browser installs so, it and thereafter it trusts to, uh any certificate right. so, that has been signed with the private key that corresponds to the public key they download. But a lot of people are going to be scared away by the, that process. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, this is why this is why it's not a great system, but um this this is this is if you're running your own certificate authority, right? right? Which is and now what Russia that's is talking exactly about doing. what Russia's doing. It, right, exactly. And though uh, assuming that the browser does not include your certificate authority in its list. And that's going to be which ultimately it doesn't the, because when these lists came out the uh, the certificate authority didn't exist. So this is going to be the big question here, right, as to whether or not these browsers are going to take on this new certificate authority coming from Russia. So signing authorities... But remember, most of these browsers are open source, Mm -hmm. so basically... You could fork it. um, Yeah, a Russian Russian hacker, I hate to say that, Mm -hmm. could... uh, could easily fork it, add one certificate to the uh, to the certificate chain, and release a Russianized version of the browser very easily. Yeah, it's something to remember too is that Russia is they have a lot of technical people. They're not incapable of. I mean, they're they're not that you're going to buy CPUs from Russia, but like. 
they have a lot of technical capabilities, right? I mean, this are is, they this manufacturing is, CPUs? They are um, really, really. They are. Um, they're just super expensive, and you would never buy one. <laughs> um, I don't even know if you can get one technically, but they're they're way behind technologically speaking mm-hmm. in that space. Um, but the point mm-hmm. is that they have the capabilities, right? They have a lot of technical mm-hmm. capabilities, so they could set well, up. China's not cutting them off, any, or any, anything. So. Uh, that's true too. Yeah. But yeah, but probably the reason they're producing it is security to be <laughs> so that basically the world can't cut them off. Right. Yep. From CPUs and security right too. Out. And the fact that they're doing it, is, I mean, that's that's a very sophisticated process it's one of those cases where the amazing thing about a dancing bear is not how well it dances but that it dances at all so um <laughs> what i don't think that they manufacture are the machines that make the processors those are i think usually sourced from germany hmm. especially the most sophisticated machinery are so, the chinese ones sourced from germany yes everything's sourced wow. I believe, from germany uh the the core machines that make you know the fabs the fabs they all the fabs the fabs are like fabulous the companies fab, that fab, for like they're, fabrication they're called yeah fab mm-hmm. fabrication they're the companies that basically make the cpus but they need certain technology that's manufactured in germany gotcha so wow so the russian state has envisioned a solution in a domestic certificate authority for independent issuing and renewal of tls certificates quote it will replace the foreign security certificate if it is revoked or expires the ministry of digital development so it's actually the government that's going to be doing this, apparently, will provide a free domestic analog. The service is provided to legal entities, site owners, upon request within five working days. So, you know, normally when you go to renew a certificate, wow. it's done in, you know, five minutes. Uh, this is a government agency. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Take you a whole if, week. If anybody, uh, wow, um, if anybody wants to understand why we're so opposed to government, yeah. This is something that should happen in a matter of minutes, and they're going to take five days to accomplish this. Again, a private corporations, a matter of minutes. Government, right. five <laughs> days. Okay, um, government yeah, is just, not the way to do anything. I, I just run cert bot, and I have my certificate within thirty seconds. For new certificate authorities to be trusted by web browsers, however, they first need to be vetted by various companies, which can take a long time. Currently, the only browsers that recognize Russia's new certificate authority as trustworthy are the Russia-based Yandex browser and Atom products. So Russian users are now told to use those instead of Chrome, Firefox, Edge, etc. Had you guys ever heard of Yandex? Absolutely. Um, They're huge in Russia. Hmm. So uh, I believe they're actually based out of norway is it norway are they open source too um it well i know them for their search engine uh, Mm. but they have it's like google right google has a browser but they also have a search engine it's it's Mm. it's that type of uh, situation there's a search engine in in english the russian market or does it have Uh, an english interface you can search in english but it's really going to give your best results in russian well speaking Mm. of good search uh engines there of course was controversy recently that DuckDuckGo had been modifying their search results and favoring uh political results that was weird um so you should probably not use DuckDuckGo because the uh people behind it have said things that were mm, concerning but the actual reasons that the results are being censored is because they're getting them from bing or i.e microsoft in other words yeah so yeah it's uh what about the brave one is that the best one right now what's the best (laughs) search out there i I, i'm not a huge fan of the guy behind brave Mm. um 
So, and I don't know that I trust him, but I will say that some of the stuff in Brave is kind of cool that they've implemented. Hmm. So, I like the Brave browser. I like Dogpile as a search, search engine, engine because it goes to a bunch of different search engines to get its result. If you want to join the discussion here, you can. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Coming up, a crackdown, another potential one, I guess, on cryptocurrency. Chris has that story on the way in Hour 2. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off, now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. Talk live. You can join us here. Free Talk Live. Absolutely anything that you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Tonight, Ian here. Nobody. And Chris. Uh, so, Chris, you had a story that you wanted to share with us tonight. The cryptocurrency uh, world has been con- constantly under threat by governments around the planet, and certainly the American government is no stranger to threatening peaceful people. Uh, some of our co-hosts, including nobody and myself, were arrested. Actually, this week was the one-year raid anniversary. Where at six in the morning, we had our uh, you had your door bashed in by a bear cat so with a battering ram. Nobody. We had our windows smashed in over here, and Aria and some other friends of ours were all raided simultaneously. Uh, be- yeah. it was a window on my side. They they like drove the thing through the window with this boom, and mm-hmm. then they raised it up and backed up and like yanked the whole window frame out of the house. Yeah. Crazy stuff. And it was hanging off their tank when I came out. Yeah, that's like the understatement of the year. Uh, that it was crazy. I mean, there's there are these. Um, I don't. I'm not good with the, the wording, but they're like think of a tank, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> a a tank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a tank basically. Uh, and 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 I don't know. Um, it's an armored personnel carrier, and it can have a battering yeah. ram ma- um, mounted to the front of it. Basically. Yeah, I mean, they literally had. Uh, I think. I think that. I think in the uh, one hearing, they said 56 FBI agents. Um, 56 FBI agents. I didn't see that many here, but um, so that didn't include the ATF and the yeah, USPS. That didn't and include IRS. any of those other people, right? And okay. there was. You got to be a real coward to have to go after. You know, a, a couple of middle-aged priests yeah. with, you know, 50 heavily armed men in a tank and yeah. two tanks, maybe. Right yeah. in the middle. They had a second one, but they couldn't bash in my door with it because there were too to, many cars yeah, around. I have to say, all I was thinking that morning was, well, it was one of two things, obviously. And it, the one was, 
what did you say, nobody? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you got some video that's over at thecrypto6.com for people who haven't seen that yet. You can check that out. But the reason I bring that up is because all of that was over cryptocurrency-related quote-unquote crimes, which of course have no victim, and you know we're going, we're planning to go to trial uh, later this year. So that's a whole other story. But just an example of what they're they're doing to crypto businesses uh, or, or crypto supporters. In our case, wasn't a business, but uh, a, a business that is under attack is Library Lbry.com, which we've talked a lot about here on Free Talk Live over the years. It's a, a decentralized protocol. It's a media sharing protocol. It's uncensorable, basically, and you should learn more about it if you haven't taken the time to do that they are currently under attack from the sec the securities and exchange commission in fact they're in the midst of doing depositions uh right now and jeremy kaufman actually the uh, the, the the head over at library has announced that they are fed up with playing nice with uh with the 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 federal government at this point i have a Good. story about that i'll try to find it i don't know if it's in front of me right now but uh but chris you had a crypto related story as well that uh, you wanted to share some new threat that they're bringing out it's yeah you, you thought it couldn't get any more mm, i don't know if disturbing is the right word but that might be the right word uh but it's the 1990s all over again and this time it's it's funny because in the 90s, it was cryptocurrencies uh, being classified as munitions, so you couldn't export cryptography. In the 90s? Yep. Uh, they didn't have cryptocurrencies. cryptocurrencies. No, 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 no. Not, I mean, they had gold money. Uh, encryption. Uh, crypto in the sense PGP of... Cryptography itself. Okay. Yeah. Uh, not specifically PGP, but yeah. encryption in general. Mm-hmm. You could not export over... PGP was under export controls. Uh, Phil Zimmerman Absolutely. had all kinds of problems with the feds over that. Yep. Wow. And they basically made it illegal to publish, uh, you know, encry- encryption algorithms, more or less. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how they went after Cody Wilson from Defense Distributed in the last decade yep. for publishing uh, 3D printed mm-hmm. gun plans. Absolutely. Same yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. So um, basically what Zimmerman did, I believe, is he, uh, he uh, published the source code of PGP as a book. Yeah, that's <laughs> and right. That could be exported. That's right, um, because it's the it's the whole free speech. You have you mm-hmm. know freedom of speech and um, code well, of speech. You used to, yeah. Well, <laughs> so that case, I that never actually turned into a case, if I recall correctly. Um, they just, I think, dropped it in the end. If my memory serves me right, is that is that my memory yeah, correct? Of, eventually, eventually they gave up because there was, I mean, there was a big kerfluffle for a while, and there were guys who were uh, making T-shirts with the Perl code for R- for the RSA algorithms on it and, and going through the airport in them. And, I mean, it was a futile effort anyway. Exactly. Um, but well, they convinced them it was futile. Yeah, it's a futile effort anyway. And this is the same, it's the same thing with this situation. It's the same thing with, you know, the 3D printing Same old story guns. within a decade. It's, it's futile. You same can't, old song and dance. I, what, look, I mean, even if you suppress speech to the degree that North Korea suppresses speech, right? Mm-hmm. You can still get the message into North a message into North Korea containing 3D printed files because they're already doing it with entertainment content. 
Um, if well, they, whether or not you can actually get a 3D printer in North Korea is a whole the other Well, that's another harder. story. But at <laughs> but least yes, you the can information, get the right? The speech yeah. part of it. You Somebody can, can shove it. that in a flash drive yeah. where the sun don't shine and co- across the border into North Korea. Absolutely. And so, and, and this is the problem. And it's it's kind of like drugs in prison, right? Yes. They haven't successfully kept them out of prison. So they how, never how, will. how on earth are you going to stop somebody from, uh, you know, anyway. So, yeah, this one, uh, this story is about they crypto. They can make a as lot in of money trying, though. Cryptocurrency, though, and sanctions. And it, the story comes from coincenter.org. And the title of the story is New Crypto Sanctions Bill Targets Public publishing code and facilitating transactions. So this bill uh, would place sweeping restrictions on persons who build, operate and use cryptocurrency networks, even if they have no knowledge or intent to help evade sanctions through administration's own uh, or I'm sorry, though the administration's own experts have repeatedly said cryptocurrency evasion is not serious. So uh, the administration being the government's own experts have have repeatedly said cryptocurrency evasion is not serious. So they're they're basically attacking crypto because they don't like it and it has nothing to do with punishing Russia. Yeah, um, but Russia is using Russia as an excuse. Russia is the excuse. It probably has more to do with the Canadian truckers. Mm. And this, um, by the way, this is a, this is in regards to a a bill, as I understand it. Um, so it hasn't passed yet, but this is something that the uh, Democrats apparently are putting out there, and they're trying to get passed. Senator mm. Warren and a raft of okay, Democrats going to be bad. Yep, a Democratic co-sponsors today introduced a bill titled the digital asset sanctions compliance enhancement act wow that's a long one uh which would place sweeping restrictions on cryptocurrency ecosystem under the guise of bolstering sanctions against russia for its unjustified invasion of ukraine she has done this despite the fact that there is no data suggesting that cryptocurrency has been used or can meaningfully be used by sanctioned parties to evade sanctions yeah and this is this is the crazy part um you know uh if you start looking at like the gdp of russia and comparing it against the market cap for say like bitcoin Mm -hmm. there's no way that russia could utilize it to um, in any kind of significant way to evade sanctions because the bitcoin is or cryptocurrency is just not big enough to mm-hmm. sustain the amount of um money or value that would be exchanged i mean the prices would you know i mean if you think that the price is doubling is something that uh um, about the price of bitcoin yeah you mm-hmm. know that happens already mm-hmm. now imagine if if you know the demand more than doubled right um yeah russia has a <laughs> uh gdp in 2020 of 1.48 trillion dollars yeah so which is equivalent to approximately the value of the entire cryptocurrency market <laughs> right right mm-hmm. so you know if, if i would love to see russia start utilizing cryptocurrencies uh to evade sanctions just because that would be great for cryptocurrency i think um however they're this, not gonna they're not going to and it's uh, it's unfortunate, but I would love to see that because it would expand the usage of cryptocurrencies, and that's sure. a good thing. It right? bring the prices it up would for be, sure. <laughs> if the government went in and bought a bunch of Bitcoin, yes, and I, even, normally they just steal Bitcoin. Yeah, like even the if US you government don't just hold crypto, more people using crypto means more freedom. And the people who yes. are actually going to get hurt the most by this are actually ordinary citizens, ordinary uh, and people who oppose this regime too. Yeah. Actually, I want to hear more about what exactly they're proposing. So again, this is going to crack down on people in the United States who are in the world of cryptocurrency. 
and they're using Russia as their excuse. But what are they proposing? We'll get into some detail on this coming up here. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. And we're brought to you by Bitcoin.com. You've been hearing a lot about cryptocurrency, and maybe you've decided it's finally time to start learning about it. Well, get over to Bitcoin.com, where you can click Get Started at the top of the page, and then you can watch some introductory videos that will get you some of the basics. You'll understand things like decentralization, blockchain technology, and you don't have to get into the engineering aspects to understand just the basics of how this stuff uh, operates, what are some of the key differences between cryptocurrency and what you say grew up with Uh, so head over to bitcoin.com and click get started right there at the top of the page you can also buy cryptos over at bitcoin.com you know you want to get your first bitcoin or bitcoin cash or even some others they've got a whole bunch that they're making available now through bitcoin.com plus there's their news site it's available every day with fresh information from the world of cryptocurrency at news.bitcoin.com. Chris, uh, you've got a story here tonight about the crypto world, specifically the industry in the United States, being targeted now and using sanctions against Russia or any other country for that matter, uh, because there are still sanctions against Iran and you know North Korea and I think probably some still on Cuba. But... Mm. Uh, what did you want to tell us about this? What was it? Venezuela? Venezuela. Well, yeah, they're starting to change their approach to Venezuela because now they need their oil. Uh, yeah. B- Biden has been cozying up with uh, old Maduro down there in Venezuela in recent weeks. Yeah, it's it's actually interesting. I get- wonder why they think that it that it produces more carbon dioxide if oil is drilled in the United States than if it's drilled somewhere else. Hmm. I don't think that's how chemistry works. <laughs> Wait, do they actually think that? I don't know, but they seem to think it's better for the environment if we don't drill here and somebody well, else drills somewhere else. I mean, else. I could kind of understand not wanting to pollute your own backyard, but... <laughs> Carbon dioxide is... going It diffuses... Yeah, I, I mean... The, the local level of carbon dioxide, I don't think, has ever been shown to differ throughout the world. Yeah, that's probably true. I, I'm thinking more like, I don't know, like oil tankers, I don't know, like crashing into things and spilling and things like that, but... Yeah, can, the distribution a, of oil spills can be different. If you got like a tourism business or something like mm-hmm. that on the seacoast and there's an oil spill, it could damage business. Well, they still have, they've still had oil spills in the Gulf of Mexico. So it's not yeah, like, yeah. Know, but that's because they, happen. that's also because they, you know, allowed, uh, you know, the, the drilling to happen mm-hmm. out there too. So mm-hmm. refining. Yeah. Refi- or is it, was it, I thought Did it was drill drilling. there too. Yeah. They drill in the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. It's not just refining, but they, mm-hmm. Texas is uh, mm-hmm. big on refining too, I believe. So anyway, what is this thing so, called? This bill? I don't think using Venezuelan tankers is going to make it less likely. <laughs> yeah, no. Oil spills. They got major yeah. issues already in Venezuela without sure. having this the uh, tankers crash into things. Um, but this crypto bill, what's it called? Yeah, this is a good question. Uh, Digital Asset Sanctions Compliance Enhancement Act. So it's a long one. <laughs> yeah, of course. The White House... Okay, so the White House, Treasury, and Department of Justice have all stated that cryptocurrency is a poor tool for sanctions evasion and one that they have well under control. Hmm. For example, FBI Director Christopher Wray said last Thursday that a, uh, at a Senate Intelligence Committee hearing, the Russians' ability to circumvent the sanctions with cryptocurrency is probably highly overestimated on the part of maybe 
them and others. We are, as a community and with our partners overseas, far more effective on that than I think sometimes they appreciate. We have built up significant expertise, both at the FBI and with some of our partners, and there have been some very significant seizures and other efforts that I think have exposed the vulnerability of cryptocurrency as a way to get around sanctions. You know, as the humorous thing about this is that is probably true. Like, I mean, to some degree, like there have been some significant seizures of crypto. Yeah, they seized um, like three or four billion dollars worth of Bitcoin recently from the alleged hacker of an exchange. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yep. Um, however, it doesn't. Did they seize it, or did he give up the keys? They seized it uh, somehow. They well, they somehow got his password and managed to get into an encrypted file. On this is this is what the mainstream media was claiming, at least uh, that uh, he had some sort of file on the cloud which had his keys in it. Ooh, and they somehow got his password for that. Guys, this is why you don't use iPhones. <laughs> <laughs> Or an easy to crack password. I don't know how they got a hand, their hands on the password. That's, that's not key been made. I don't know. Always a good idea. What was that? Keylogger. Keylogger. Install right. some malware well, on well, the computer. Don't, I don't think they needed that because it was it was probably like a, a private key that ended up getting synced with the cloud that was unencrypted or no. Reportedly, he had some sort of an encrypted uh, file on the cloud. And oh, that so it was weak. It was a weak password. Might, it might have been. Don't know. We don't know. Yeah. They may have socially engineered him. For all we know, true. We have no true, idea true. what they did. Social engineering is one of the. It's funny because social engineering is one of the tools that what they usually call uh, hackers, what mm-hmm. people think of as hackers, mm-hmm. are actually doing. They're social engineering. So, kind of funny. Um, let's see here. We've built up significant expertise both at the FBI and with some of our partners, and there have been some significant seizures. So, the funny part about that is that while there have been some significant seizures, uh, that doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean that they can your average person that they're going to be able to seize your crypto. This is they're they're talking about going after the biggest players and spending. A, huge amounts of resources in order to go after those that they want to make an example out of mm-hmm. your average person is not going to have anything to worry about when it comes to well as long as they're treating their keys securely i mean if you for instance if you've memorized your key then you're pretty you're pretty rock solid if yeah. on the other hand you've got it written down and it's just or kept on an in exchange a, <laughs> or, well if it's on an exchange it's as good as gone i mean that's yeah. easy for them to get a hold of because the exchanges will do whatever they're told to do by the by the government right. but as far as keeping your own keys because as they say if it's not your uh, if it's not your keys it's not your coins and so you need to have your own cryptocurrency keys stored in a safe way as you can get to them, right? Because like each person can only handle so much security. So for for the average person, it's probably acceptable to I mean, keep your. The average person lives paycheck to paycheck, so I don't think that's probably going to be too much of an issue. No, I get what you're saying, but for for the average person that has you know amassed a little bit of cryptocurrency that they are concerned with, whether that's a few thousand dollars or tens of thousands, sure. uh, you know there are different ways to keep that secure. If you're going to be writing down a code and keeping it somewhere, if it's in your safe, it's going to keep you. It's going to keep it safe from the average criminal, but probably not from the FBI. That's right. true, but the FBI generally doesn't go after small fish, as they say. True. Um, the FBI, uh, I, I'm trying to think what the statistic is. I think like your 
the FBI, like you've got to be doing like three million or more or something like mm-hmm. that. And that's actually an old statistic before they really get interested in it. And I think it also might include interstate. Well, I think their jurisdiction is interstate. So it's got to be like interstate and like over three million something. I believe that's a number anyway. Again, that's an old number, but that's a, that's quite a bit for most people. Most people aren't going to be involved in, you know, um, you know, the, that level of of I mean, I mean, generally, I want to say crime, but everybody commits crimes right mm-hmm. so most people aren't going to be involved in that level of criminal activity where it's going to be an issue so yeah that's true and there's also of course hardware wallets which are another layer layer of security for for folks to consider yeah if you're if you're on a windows system or a mac system definitely get yourself a hardware wallet mm-hmm. um because it's it's not protect, it's not even don't be on a windows system ideally you wouldn't be but um ultimately at the end of the day it's not the government you have to worry about it's it's malicious parties on the internet cyber malware so to speak malware things like that yeah uh so but there's more to this story right about what they're planning on doing what exactly are these you know this this bill that they're putting forward now to crack down on the cryptocurrency industry in regards to sanctions Uh, that's coming up here more on the way on free talk live Join liberty-minded voluntarists, anarchists, and libertarians from June 27th through July 3rd for the 6th Annual ForkFest at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. ForkFest is a fork of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which sold out for the first time in 2021. ForkFest takes place the week after ForkFest, but ForkFest is decentralized, which means that there's no ticket cost and no one is in charge. All you have to do to join the fun is reserve your camping site, RV site, or motel room with Rogers Campground for June 27th through July 3rd. There's no better place to celebrate Independence Day than around other freedom-loving activists in the Shire. You can find out more at the unofficial website, ForkFest.Party. You can also connect with other attendees on the ForkFest Telegram and Matrix chat rooms, as well as the ForkFest Forum. You can find links to those at ForkFest.Party. We hope to see you there. Forkfest.party. Free Talk Live. Phones are open if you want to join the show. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio tonight, you've got Ian. Nobody. And Chris. Don't forget, you can join us online over at freetalklive.com. And you can enjoy the various features that we have for you there anytime you want. Once again, that is freetalklive.com. We're going to go to your calls and thoughts, and we're going to get deeper into your story, Chris, uh, about this new proposal in, uh, in Congress that could bring even heavier regulation onto the cryptocurrency world and that of course is bad uh for anybody that values development and innovation and new technologies so it's of course going to drive businesses out of the i mean United i States. think the main thing it's going to do is drive any kind of exchanges or any kind of you know uh, businesses that primarily deal with cryptocurrencies out that's what i'm saying yeah. and it would it will drive out the new innovators that haven't even opened shop right they're just going to say you know what let's just go somewhere i mean else. they're already doing that we already know people who left the united states um as a result of them you know, the U.S. government, the federal government, cracking down on crypto. So, so we're going to get deeper into that. But first, we got Jonathan on the line here, uh, calling us from Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live, Jonathan. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, what's um, on your mind? Long time fan. I've uh, been listening since like 2004. Or so, wow, thanks. Um, 
Yeah, I just joined in on Odyssey and uh, hear you guys talking about Bitcoin and uh, cryptocurrency. So sure. my question is, so I have a ledger. Um, That's a hardware wallet. Just for our listeners that don't know all the <laughs> lingo, that you've got a piece of hardware. You can you can uh, stick it in a USB port on your laptop mm-hmm. or desktop, and it, it allows you to store uh, your cryptocurrency keys in a much more, I guess, fortified manner, shall we say. Absolutely. Um, my question is, uh, what what kind of on ramps do you all recommend as far as purchasing uh, Bitcoin? That maybe, you know, I know you. I, I typically want to buy from a exchange that's uh, no KYC. You know, know your know your customer. Um, so something not like Coinbase or anything like that. Uh, but I, I'm having trouble finding ways to actually purchase the bitcoin without using my bank account or something mm-hmm. like that um well yeah so, so on ledger the, when you try to buy uh, i'm sorry on ledger when you try to buy it it takes you to MoonPay, which of course is not in america and then my bank you know tries to freeze the transaction and that kind of stuff so. <laughs> wow time to switch banks well they're all bad i mean that's it's true hard to, it's hard <laughs> yeah. to find a bank that wants to deal with a cryptocurrency and, exchange and, this is at all. The, and we've talked about this so many times that they're a monopoly i mean the banking it's yeah. effectively a monopoly because they're so heavily regulated a cartel yeah a cartel but they all are like but basically the same yeah i mean they're all the mm-hmm. same because they're the regulations you know so yeah mm-hmm. a lot of banks won't even uh as soon as they find out you're sending money to a cryptocurrency exchange will close your account if that's if they know that that's what it is uh now in some exactly. cases you can get around this because the cryptocurrency exchanges won't actually have the word cryptocurrency in the name of the business that you're wiring to so you know if you're just just sending a wire to an exchange and it's payword enterprises then that doesn't necessarily reveal to the the banker that you're buying bitcoin of course um mm. But you definitely don't want to ever lie to a bank because then they'll bring you up on wire fraud charges or you, you, whatever. You probably don't want to answer any questions of the bank. Is, well, you have is to asking. answer the questions. Because so, if, because, you, if you answer them, it'll get used against you later in court. That's one of the problems. But basically, you have to answer the questions. You can't go in and send a wire transfer and not answer their questions about, oh, what's this wire for? Yeah, uh, that's true. Right. But anyway, just uh, uh, what I would suggest is, and I can't give legal advice, obviously, but don't lie. But if you say you're doing it for investment purposes, then to me that's not a lie, right? Like, you know what's you know what's interesting is um, you know I do wire transfers all the time, and I don't know most of the time I don't get asked. And really, they don't ask you they what don't it's for. Ask and they just assume it's to pay an invoice, and then they'll put down to pay an invoice. Oh, interesting. Um, so it's really yeah, it's really interesting. Um, and that uh, and this is yeah. And technically, if you buy uh, Bitcoin, you can get invoiced for that. Yeah, which so is why I'm it's always to pay like. An invoice. I don't know. It's like if you bring in something that looks like an invoice, they won't even ask. They'll just assume and they'll put it down. But we're going off on a side uh, on a tangent here because <laughs> that's what Jonathan wants to avoid. He, yeah. he doesn't want to go through the centralized exchanges, which, of course, is the easiest way in theory, as long as the bank doesn't stand in your way or whatever. It's in theory an easy right. way to go through Coinbase or Gemini or Kraken or, you know, fill in the blank of which centralized exchange, Binance.us. These are some of them uh, that make it simple and also relatively cheap. So on the other side of the equation, the more anonymous, the more individualized, the non-centralized, the peer-to-peer methods like 
going to local bitcoins or local Monero or local, there's a variety of these local sure. sites now, uh, will connect you with yeah. other human beings who are willing to sell you Bitcoin, but they may be charging 10% or something like that, uh, or more in some cases for, for service because they have to deal with fraud constantly. And so they tend to raise their rates quite a bit in order to provide the service. Or you can go to a cryptocurrency vending machine. But again, you may be dealing with 10, 15, 20% rates in order to put cash into a machine. And there still may be some KYC involved. I, I can tell you the best way uh, to acquire cryptocurrency. Ask for if you if you have a an employer, ask for them to pay you in crypto. If you have a, a business, you know, add support for accepting cryptocurrency and ask your customers to pay you in crypto. That's a great um, way to get right. crypto for sure. Um, if you can't do that, um, you know, check out a crypto meetup. People are selling and buying crypto in person all the time. Um, at if least they in New have Hampshire one near you. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah that, I would think that may be the way to go. Yeah, I don't know. Where are you? Are you are you in New Hampshire or Georgia? Are you somewhere else? Georgia? Oh, uh, no, I'm in Georgia. Yeah, I'm, Georgia. I'm I don't know about Georgia. Are Hampshire, you in Atlanta, though. like a city, or just out in the uh, the boonies? So, southern part, uh, southern coast. Okay, is, is, that, is, that, is that a city? Like Savannah? Savannah? All southern. Yeah, yeah, around that way. <laughs> yeah, I, so there might be a group. It might be worth looking into because I do agree with Chris. That's the easiest way to do it, as far as it's off the books. There's no, you know, tracking per se, unless of course you're dealing with a federal agent or something like yeah. that by chance. Uh, but, but then even, they're actually expending real resources on you. Yeah, but but even then, it's not. I mean. It's not illegal to buy Bitcoin from somebody, right? As long as they... That's true. Well, yeah. that's what you're going to find out, it. Ian. <laughs> Unless, of course, they tell you they're a heroin dealer, in which case you definitely want to stay away from doing uh, doing any business with them because uh, they're setting Absolutely. you up for a money laundering charge in, in that case. Well, I, you guys mentioned uh, local Bitcoin, and I've looked at that. I'm just curious, uh, you know, what are the chances that some of the Alphabet boys will be on there creating accounts trying to well we know they yeah. are for a fact they're less likely to be the sellers uh the federal government gang is certainly investigating local bitcoins uh, but they're more isn't it local.bitcoin.com that's bitcoin.com's competitor and it's uh last i saw it wasn't very competitive okay but uh no we're talking about local bitcoins which is sort of the number one biggie out there i thought they stopped doing in-person they did Uh, unfortunately local bitcoins is not very local anymore i thought it was totally defeated the purpose of local local bitcoins yeah they the purpose of the whole site back in 2018 local bitcoins went all kyc and they got rid of the actual local ability to find local local people to physically meet in real life what can you do with it still you can still you can still buy things from online sellers so you'd have to go to a bank somebody's bank and then deposit cash there are sites though that are that are now copying what the original local bitcoins did yep and I have not actually looked into these sites in more than a year since I've been you, prohibited you probably from, from going at this to point. them. <laughs> uh, but I know they exist, and I know that at the time one of them was called Agora Market, if I recall, or no Agora. I thought that was the online like hidden, hidden dark. There was a dark kinda. web market that used the term Agora. This one is like, oh, I know what it's called, Agora Desk. Okay, I think it might be .com, but check out, you know, do a search for Agora Desk, and you'll find them. I think they're still doing local you know people in your area kind of uh hookups but again just going to a local meetup and finding the local doers in the cryptocurrency sphere is probably a good way to find somebody who might be willing to sell um do you guys have any other input as far as you know options for jonathan not really i feel like we've covered it pretty extensively yeah. here yeah i, I mean it, uh, yeah i mean i think like i said the best thing to do is if you can accept it you know let people know advertise mm-hmm. it that you accept cryptocurrency for payment for whatever you're you know whatever you do <laughs> You know, heroin. 
Uh, oh, you definitely don't want to do yeah. that. Uh, we got to cut you off now. <laughs> thanks for the call. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can bring up anything that you want. I'm hoping that was a joke, but even if somebody's joking about that, you still got to cut them off. Yeah. Because you can't tell. If they're a federal agent, that's a, a good example of what you should do if somebody tells yeah. you uh, that they're, they're in not the heroin funny. business. Yeah, Not and funny. Trying to do crypto with you. It's Free Talk Live, and you are invited if you want to join the show here. The number is 603 283 6160. That's 603-283-6160. Ian Nobody and Chris joining you tonight. Uh, Phones are open, as always. You can bring up what you want. We're talking about the latest attempt by the federal gang to target cryptocurrency businesses. There's a new bill that's being put forward, and we haven't really gotten to the ugly details in this story yet. I believe you still have those to come here, Chris. Uh, so that's on the way here. And, of course, you can bring up whatever's on your mind. The number is 603-283-6160. And I do want to say thank you to Shooty, who is a supporter of the Free Talk Live AMPS program. AMPS stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. Shooty is a silver-level supporter, which means Shooty's giving at least 5 bucks a month to AMPS. And you can do that. It's a Patreon. Uh, just go over to amps.freetalklive.com. You can get signed up there for again as little as five bucks a month and you get some cool perks you get some benefits for doing that so we definitely appreciate it thank you shooty and thank you to uh, the over 70 people that have signed up now over at amps.freetalklive.com if you like what we do here and you want us to keep doing it and you want it to uh, to get bigger on more great radio stations all around the country we can do that but it does take some money to market the show uh once again amps.freetalklive.com we go to sarah in new mexico and we'll get uh, back into the crypto story here in a moment. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Yes. So, the, who was the show, uh, the host yesterday that, that um, I think he mentioned that he knows that men in New Hampshire in his circle, there's people that want to go out and fight for the Russians in the Russian side. And, uh, you know, I could... You know, so I know that you he, he was gonna explain the mercenary part of it that mm-hmm. they're they're finding mercenary. So do you think they have been listening to me on this show about <laughs> no, being Sarah. a communist? <laughs> no. That's exactly it, Sarah. No, I I know yeah, what you're I mean, referring I, to. You're I referring to uh, Matt, he's our uh, regular Thursday night host. He said that he had heard that some people are going over I don't know if he specifically meant it was New Hampshire. I think he was just saying that people in general uh, are going to join the Ukrainian side, but some may also be going to join the Russian side. And what we learned last night was that some of those who joined the Ukrainian side are saying things are not what they seem. Uh, they're taking people's passports, tearing them mm-hmm. up. They're forcing them to stay in the country. They're stripping their kits from them. They're stripping their guns, their ammunition from them, and uh, making life very difficult on the people that are, are going over. Now, of course, there's a counter side to that saying that that's all BS and it's not true. Uh, but there really wasn't much comment regarding people joining the Russian side, so I don't know who that would be. Uh, but presumably those who are looking for some action and are willing to be told what to do by a bunch of killers. Oh, the Chech- Chechens, I think, are fighting on both sides. Oh, is that right? Yeah, um, as I understand it. And I forget why, but yeah. So there you go, Sarah. Uh, anything else you want to share tonight? 
But he was saying that there's people from America. That's what he was saying, that people that he knows of from his area. So I'm just assuming there must be the, they're like uh, American communists like myself that are involved with the Communist (laughs) Party in America. Well, there's no reason to assume that. I have Uh, to ask, Sarah, are you a prank caller? No, she's a real communist. I'm not a prank. No, I'm not a prank caller, but he did mention that. But I mean, with all the propaganda, I can understand why the people would want to join the Ukrainians and want to go fight and the Ukrainian side because it's always the Russians are demonized. So, but there are people that want to go fight on the Russians unless they're getting what um, he offers from the Russians as mercenaries. Uh, so he didn't really talk about that. I mean, but are they Chechnyans that live in America? I mean, who are they? Are they former? It could just be somebody that wants to go see some action. Yeah, I don't know anything about this American uh, mercenaries that you're talking of. Well, I mean, Matt did suggest that that was the case. Uh, I don't I, doubt it. I presume it. it's a very small minority of yeah. people that are willing to join a foreign military that would join the Russians. Especially given, from the United States. Yeah, given the propaganda. Thank you, Sarah, for the call tonight. Well, a lot of people don't care. They're just mercenaries. Right. So if they're just fighting for money, I would imagine that the Russians are more able to pay than the Ukrainians. Well, I don't know if there's actually, this is an important question, is I've seen the term used, mercenary, but I don't know if they're paying. I think these are volunteers. Well, then they're not mercenaries. Yeah, personally, I, I wouldn't use the term mercenary from what I've seen out there. Um, although certainly the Ukrainian government's gotten over a hundred million dollars in cryptocurrency donations so far, so they're uh, plus uh, fourteen billion coming over from the taxpayers of the United States. That's another. That's another um, thing. The reason they might be paying mercenaries, if they are, it might be the fact that they have uh, experience um, fighting, mm-hmm. and that's something that the Ukrainian military does not have. So, and and the same thing for mm-hmm. Russia. Um, Russia, I mean, obviously they're going to have more experience fighting, but, you know, more actual fighters to back them up, uh, you know, people who've actually been involved in wars in Syria and Chechnya and, you know, some of these other countries that I've had actual wars are probably useful, uh, useful skill sets, basically. Yeah. If you know more about the situation, if people are actually being paid from the outside, if you want to weigh in, you're welcome to join the show here at 603-283-6160. Uh, meanwhile, let's get back into the story here, Chris, that you were sharing with us about the mouthful of words bill that's going to be cracking down if it passes on the cryptocurrency industry what's going on so the bill would place sweeping restrictions on persons who build operate and use cryptocurrency networks even if they have no knowledge or intent to help anyone evade sanctions so basically (laughs) people who use the networks um build let me repeat i, I don't know yeah, if the repeat word that use, for me the yeah word actually use yes use cryptocurrency Just go ahead and read it one more time i'm gonna read me. it again the bill would place sweeping restrictions on persons who build so the developers the programmers yep operate so the mm-hmm. node operators yep uh and use cryptocurrency networks mm-hmm. use cryptocurrency networks how the how how that works if i just send crypto from me to you mm-hmm. uh, well not you or nobody but um uh, yeah. so let's uh, some other figure to person here um how that would somehow uh assist uh in 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 like evading sanctions i do not know though uh so let's see use cryptocurrency even if they have no knowledge or intent to help anyone evade sanctions so it sounds like basically they're trying to ban cryptocurrency 
wow. it calls or the platforms or whatever, right? You, uh, at a minimum, I mean, yeah. just because you you pass a law that bans it doesn't necessarily mean people won't use it. It just means that you're now a criminal. Mm-hmm. But everybody's a criminal, so it, it doesn't really mean much. Um, it calls for sanctioning technologists and users merely for the act of publishing open source software. So this is this is the part that I'm referencing uh, from the 90s and their banning of the export of uh, high high grade encryption, basically, mm-hmm. uh, to other countries, uh, because that also was source code. So publishing open source software or and facility, it failed because it did. source code is speech. Right. Um, or facilitating. Of course, can- people don't care about free speech much anymore. That's true. Yeah, it's sad. And you're right. Um, You know, all the censorship that's going on in the world. But you may still be able to make that argument in front of a court successfully these days. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, The public, not so much. But uh, a a judge may be able to to comprehend that programming is is actually free speech, uh, which may be one of the ways that a law like this could get slapped down. You know, it seems so clear to us that it is speech. Mm -hmm. But with all of the... mm, all of the degrading of our rights that have occurred over the years, it would not surprise me uh, if they're going to say it's less protected. It's kind of like advertising. You would think advertising is speech and is protected by the First Amendment, uh, but the courts have ruled otherwise. Um, they can like mm-hmm. put restrictions on how you advertise or what you advertise or the communications of the advertisement. Um, so They're think- following Hitler's playbook. Take one freedom at a time, slowly. Yep. Anybody ever notice how there's no advertising for uh, cigarettes anymore? It's good yeah, they outlawed mm-hmm. that. Yep. Um, and the reason they can outlaw it is... The children. Well, protect the children, right? Yeah. That's that's the idea. So Now, right. in some countries, I think New Zealand is the first one to do it. They're now outlawing cigarettes for people under a certain age, and they can never get old enough to actually legally buy. So if you're like right. 14 right now in New Zealand, you will never be able to legally purchase See, cigarettes. See, that's actually not correct still technically, because assuming that somebody leaves New Zealand, they're no longer in New Zealand's jurisdiction, and they would be okay. able to smoke. I mean, as long as you're in their, you know, that sure. particular criminal <laughs> enterprise zone. But yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, their yeah. objective is to, to is that. Yeah, if, and now apparently Denmark is considering doing the same thing. So there's other countries that are coming on board with this idea. There's something rotten in the state of Denmark. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to continue here. Hour number three is on the way. You got more to share about this crackdown, right? Or this absolutely. potential uh, crackdown. The Democrats proposing this law uh, at the federal level that would restrict even users as long as they can somehow connect a Russian to a, a website. Does that mean that everybody that's using a decentralized finance website, if a Russian trades on the site, does that mean everybody is uh, it's is overly broad liable? Yeah. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the third hour of the program. Phones are open. If you want to join the show, the number is 603 283 6160, that's 603-283-6160. Joining you here tonight, it's Ian. Nobody. And Chris. And we're going to go back to your phone calls and thoughts. But coming up, Chris, you've got more to say on just what exactly they are talking about doing to the cryptocurrency world. Targeting even not only programmers, but also the users of cryptocurrency or exchanges or online platforms or something 
uh, if they can claim that somehow some Russian person got around a sanction because of it. And so we'll uh, we'll talk more about that coming up here uh, in moments. But first, we're going to go to your phone calls and thoughts. We got Bradley on the line calling us from Michigan. And Bradley, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hi, thank you. So yeah, uh, Bitcoin is our single, well, not just Bitcoin, but cryptocurrency in general is our single best shot at achieving a truly free society. But on top of that, um, you know, it's benefited my life a lot. I've you know, and, and it's actually because of you guys. Um, years ago, you guys started talking about Bitcoin, and, you know, I was interested, so I invested in it and made quite a bit of money. Wow, nice. Um, it's always nice to uh, to hear that that's the case. I'll, although I, I will quibble with your claim that it's the best chance for a free society. It It is a tool that free people can use to, as you say, you know, you've you've increased your wealth dramatically. And obviously, if, if freedom-loving people have more wealth, then that's going to help us move things forward. But we still have to do more than just buy Bitcoin, right? Like, Bitcoin's just a thing that you can use to advance freedom. But if you don't have a movement of freedom lovers, then just being alone in a completely, yeah. you know, Nazified state with all your Bitcoin isn't going to do jack diddly. Yeah, there's there's potentially other solutions that also can further freedom, um, even if crypto didn't exist. Uh, so I, I think I think the number one thing is moving to New Hampshire uh, for, for freedom. is, is the Concentrating thing. activism yeah, in yeah. one geographic area. Of course, New Hampshire is the best bet. And we've got so many crypto users here. We've got the concentration of, of libertarian activists and crypto fanatics. And so all of that creates a nice synergy that is just you can't duplicate it. Yeah, if you actually want to spend and use crypto, there's no better place to live. Um, is, so, is this the uh, Bradley that I met at Porkfest? Yes, it is. Hey, groovy. Good to talk to you, bro. But what was? And, uh, uh, what did you want to share about it, Bradley? Go ahead. Well, uh, so I started working for Students for Liberty, and they actually uh, offer their employees the chance to get paid in Bitcoin. Oh, wow. oh nice. But, Great. Um, yeah, the CEO Wolf, uh, Doctor Wolf von Lair, he's very passionate about Bitcoin, and he's actually going to be speaking on it uh, at our first uh, all-Canadian regional conference uh, tomorrow, actually. So I just wanted to, you know, promote the event a little bit. Um, he will be talking at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, I don't have a very good link to go to. Are you allowed to have events a, in Canada right now? You said this is all-Canadian? Well, yeah, they have. I, I don't know all the details, but they have uh, numerous local uh events but it's all connected over zoom oh okay i didn't know so that you could even to... meet somebody in person in canada legally these days <laughs> uh oh. like a conference or something although i guess they did roll back some of their restrictions during the uh the trucker protest it probably depends on the region too but gotcha um yeah, yeah if you guys just go to uh studentsforliberty.org um and then they have a tab i believe it's the programs tab Mm -hmm. uh, it takes you to, um, you know, all the conferences it offers and, you know, the Canadian one. Sign up for that. And, you know, if, you're, if, any, if anybody's interested in learning about Bitcoin, that would be a good way to start. Very cool. And, of course, the best thing for can uh, Canadian cri crypto and freedom lovers to do is, of course, migrate to New Hampshire and find somebody <laughs> to marry. Yeah, right. You know, so they can so they can stay here. I'm actually surprised well, at how I'll many people from outside the U.S. have moved to New Hampshire. It's successful, yeah, too. For, for the Freedom uh, Free State Project. What did you just say there, Bradley? Oh, I said I'll, I'll be coming to New Hampshire soon. 
Nice. Can't wait to have you. So you were at Porkfest this year. Was it a good time or last year? No, it was actually uh, a few years ago. It was, uh, what, 2016? Oh, wow. Right on. That was a good year, too. Excellent. 2015, maybe, but. Well, congratulations in advance on your move, and hopefully a lot of the students for Liberty will will catch on to this. I don't know how widespread New Hampshire is amongst the uh, the Liberty circles and students for Liberty, but of course students are perfectly uh, stationed to make the move because after you finish school, yeah. you're like, all right, what do I do with my life now? It's a good opportunity to pick up and move somewhere new, so it's a great opportunity to come to New Hampshire. Isn't that how Bonnie got here? She was with Young Americans Young for Americans Liberty, which for I Liberty. guess isn't related directly, but sounds really similar <laughs> to uh, mm-hmm. students. I guess you don't have to be a student to be involved in Young Americans for Liberty. I, I presume that's the difference. Uh, Bradley, anything else you want to share, uh, share tonight? Uh, nope, that's it. Thank you guys for what you do, and keep doing it. Thanks for the call tonight. Thanks, appreciate Bradley. it. Let's talk to Stephen. He's in Georgia, North Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live, Stephen. Hey, guys. Um, I wanted to clarify some of this stuff about um mercenary work in ukraine right now yeah so first and foremost um unfortunately i've done uh what is formally called private military contracting mm-hmm. um and so there's a few things you have to understand about being a mercenary if that's the word you want to use first of all if you're a mercenary um you're committing an international crime really um yeah so the geneva convention um, outlaws being a mercenary. Now, they define mercenary as somebody that's privately paid essentially through what we would call the DOD. So the way that you become a, a private military contractor is you work for a company that's subcontracted through the Department of State. Like Blackwater. Um, right, that's what was going to be my question. Are those companies not mercenaries? They're just contractors and therefore they're not mercenaries? They're, so, and here's here's where contracting work gets weird it has as the title says it's contract based mm-hmm. right so you sign up for 30 days and when you sign up um you typically if you're blackwater doesn't exist well blackwater's not the name of it anymore it's now z or academy or something right um when you sign the document you typically sign it in north carolina and when you sign it in north carolina you know exactly where you're going and you know exactly what the job is um, and so, like, the last time I signed a document, I essentially said, I'm protecting a hospital. Um, and anything done to this hospital, I can take, quote-unquote, appropriate action. I can shoot people. Um, and all of that is outlined in your document mm-hmm. or in your contract. And those are typically very short, like 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, um, I don't know anybody off the rip that's ever gotten a year contract. I do know two people that got year contracts, but they had already like done two or three years worth of work. So you're saying that's over. different than somebody who just says, "All right, I'm a mercenary. I'll go wherever you want. You know, you can tell me what to do day by day uh, because you've got a exactly. specific task." Okay, interesting. Exactly. It's like and, security, um, private security. So, so NATO, um, a NATO country, when you sign that document. You're only allowed to, quote-unquote, defend things. So there's a really famous contractor. His name is Ben Thomas, also known, name is, also known as Mookie, right? If you type Mookie and you're going to get all this stuff. Mm-hmm. He got kicked out of the SEAL team, became a famous contractor. Um, he actually has committed several war crimes because he would chase people down and shoot them. 
And under NATO guidelines, mm. you can't do that. You can't chase them. You can't hunt them. Uh, you wow. can't let them get to their house and then kill their entire family. Did you hear that, Mookie? You can't do that. So, so I see what you're saying here, Stephen. So you're you're also saying that, therefore, anyone that's going over to Ukraine to uh, work for their military is volunteering. They're not a mercenary then. Well, here's the weird thing that I'm seeing, because I did look at the document. I do know a few guys that are going. James Jager um, says he's going. Hold that thought. If you got more you want to share on the topic, I'm, I'm happy to hear about it. Uh, the number here, if you want to join us, is 603-283-6160. Sounds like he's got some experience in this particular area in uh, being, you know, being in international conflict. So we'll get uh, more from Stephen here in moments. The number is 603-283-6160. Plus, we'll get also more about what's going on with the latest targeting of the cryptocurrency industry in the United States, because we haven't, we haven't really gotten into the meat, I don't think, uh, of that story. That's all coming up here tonight. Of course, uh, your calls and thoughts are also welcome. The number is 603-283-6160. You can take control of the airwaves here on Free Talk Live. Talk live. Open phones. If you want to join the show, you can. The number 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You're looking for an excuse to take a look closely at New Hampshire. You gotta come on up. And now you can come up anytime. There's always something happening every single week. There are multiple freedom-oriented events uh, happening across New Hampshire. Whether you want to go and visit Manchester, Keene, the Seacoast, or maybe even the North Country, uh, there's a lot of stuff happening here in uh, New Hampshire. You can go to the Free State Project's website. Of course, they've got a calendar there. Uh, There's also the Porcupine Freedom Festival and Fork Fest coming up this summer. So one of the best times to attend is when there's already thousands of people who are also coming up. And when I say thousands, I'm not exaggerating. The Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival sold out last year, and their maximum number of tickets was 2,500. It's the largest liberty-oriented event, as far as I know, on the planet at this point. I believe with 2,500 attendees, they're actually out doing Freedom Fest, uh, which previously, I believe, held the record for largest, uh, at least in the United States, the largest event. And Arcapulco was probably close to that at one point, but I don't think they've got the the attendance for that uh, these days. But check out the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Details are over at porkfest.com, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T.com. Uh, that one's happening the week before Forkfest, and Forkfest is June 27th through July 3rd. Now, Forkfest is different from the Porcupine Freedom Festival because Forkfest is decentralized, and that means that there is no one who is in charge at Forkfest. That means there's no centralized committee deciding what's going on, and that means that it's a little more laid back, and there's also not as many people that attend. So if you want a more uh, laid back kind of after party in the woods, uh, the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire, you want to come on up to Rogers Campground, and all you need, because there's no tickets for Fork Fest, all you need to join the fun is to reserve your camping site, RV site, or your motel room with Rogers Campground from June 27th through July 3rd. Then there's also, by the way, ways to get in touch with ForkFest attendees. There's a Matrix chat. There's a Telegram chat. They're actually linked together. Uh, and there's some other social media 
aspects out there. I believe there's an email list, uh, if I recall correctly. Chris, I think you handle that over at Forkfest.party is where you can find links to all of those things. It's unofficial website because everything is unofficial because there's no one in charge over at Forkfest. Forkfest.party is where you can learn more. And again, it's June 27th through July 3rd. We will look forward to seeing you there. Free Talk Live expecting to broadcast from both the Porcupine Freedom Festival and Forkfest. So we go back to Stephen in North Georgia. No. Stephen, you all right there? I am. How are y'all? All right, good. You were just telling Sorry. us about uh, mercenaries and uh, why it is they're apparently they're prohibited by international law. Uh, I had asked yep. you about those people who are going over to Ukraine. Are they volunteers? And you had started to be you know, you had begun answering that question, I think, and we had to cut you off there. Yeah. So the stuff about the stuff in Ukraine is weird because I've reached out to some of my former colleagues to see what's going on. And apparently, it's falling into two categories. One, um, there's a lot of work um, in the European theater in that area, um, not in Ukraine, um, Poland, other areas, um, where they're doing regular PMC work. They're signing contracts. They're going for very short periods of time. They're coming back. They're making um, very good money. So the heyday of PMC work was like oh four. You private military three, contractor. That's PMC. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, and I was I was still in middle school, elementary school, but in oh four, you could make three to five thousand dollars a day. Mm. Um, when I got in, it was um, there were still guys pulling in three to five. But like most of us were pulling in about one thousand dollars a day, okay. which is still incredibly good money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're paying for your own gear, so you've got to buy all that. Yep. Um, and Typical like contractor, that. right? Like Typical your contractor. contractor, right? Right. Um, but then there's this really weird group of guys, um, and I don't understand why they would do it. But James Jager um, recently announced that he's doing this. You can fill out a document to the Minister of Defense in, for Ukraine, and the way it looks to me is you're essentially enlisting, hmm. which would explain a lot of what y'all are talking about, where you get over there and they take your stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Because it is it is highly, highly, highly illegal to be a citizen of one country and work for the military of another country. Really? It violates all... Yeah. Why wouldn't they just give you citizenship? Um, they could, and maybe that's what the tearing up of passports is. Um, oh. But I'm not, sh- I'm not sure how quickly they can do that. That's the deal with the uh, the French Foreign Legion, right? The French Foreign Legion, supposedly, and they're a super secret organization, but supposedly you relinquish citizenship for a period of time. Oh. Um, but I, once again, they're secretive. I've never looked at That's interesting, the, yeah, because I've certainly heard of them, and in theory, the Foreign Legion takes people from all over the world, right? Yeah. Well, they do, um, mm-hmm. and I've met some of them, and I've asked some questions, and they were just like, yeah, we don't talk about that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh. That's weird. So but, okay, so um, I've learned a couple things here um, from this. It's very interesting that you're saying you're saying international law prohibits mercenaries, but it also prohibits people from joining foreign militaries as long as they have a citizenship in another country. Yep. Like wow. I would, I could join the Canadian military, 
But when I joined the Canadian military, um, you become a Canadian citizen. And in huh. the Navy, when I was in boot camp in the Navy, there were there was a guy in my division who was a Mexican. And before he um, before he graduated, before he finished boot camp, he was an American citizen, and that was part of the deal with him. Is that he got American citizenship part of the oh, okay. I you know I thought you know it's interesting you should say that because I I thought that there was um, you had to complete military service in order to get citizenship if you were that's what he said a, you, you had to get through boot camp and then you became an American basically I thought boot well, that's camp, not the end of your that's service. not the end of the service completing though. boot camp is the beginning right oh what didn't you say it was just boot camp Stephen or no no yeah the, in in the process of boot camp around week five. Uh, they would begin the process, and then about week seven, which is really close to the end, they would become citizens. Mm-hmm. So even before they completed their military service? Correct, because yeah. they couldn't deploy. What he's saying is if you're not an American citizen, then it's a violation of international right, law. Right. So they can have you at boot camp because you're not you know, deployed right. in that case. That just seems uh, so, when, that, that sounds so weird because I, I've heard of people who have had issues with citizenship post like getting out of the military. They were like promised citizenship, but mm-hmm. they didn't get it. And well, a lot of people me. get promised a lot of things yeah. when they join the military yeah. and don't get them. Uh, do you know when these laws were passed? Because I know my uncle uh, fought with the uh, with the British Air Force during World War Two, or no, he was he was in the Canadian Air Force mm. fighting in Britain before the United States entered World War Two, and then when the United States entered. He uh, he got moved over to the U.S. military. So are was these recent US, laws? Was he a U.S. troop that was sort of exchanged? Um, no, I don't think he was in the military. I think he started out in the Canadian military because he really felt strongly about fighting Hitler. And then uh, when the U.S. got into it, he joined the American military. Huh. Well, we'll see if he knows the answer to the question here in moments. The number 603-283-6160. And, of course, uh, the phones here are open. Maybe you want to weigh in because, I mean, maybe Stephen's wrong. It's certainly possible that he doesn't, you know, have all the info. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. You can join the show here. Phones are open at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, you've got Ian. Nobody. And Chris. Don't forget, you can join us online anytime you want. Head over to freetalklive.com. And we do have archives that go back for years. You can just go and uh, easily acquire those over at freetalklive.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast feeds. The RSS feeds are available for you over at feeds.freetalklive.com. Just take whichever feed you want. There's a few different ones uh, that are there. The full feed's got everything that we make available. There's the digest-only feed and the full shows-only feed. Uh, over there at feeds.freetalklive.com. Just drop them in your favorite podcast client, and you will receive the latest episodes of Free Talk Live as they're happening. We're talking with Stephen in Georgia. He is explaining to us the legalities of being a mercenary, which apparently you just can't do, uh, at least as far as joining some other fighting force, some other governmental fighting uh, agency around the planet, because... International law has made that illegal. And uh, also, not only that, you can't even volunteer. So not as a mercenary, but just as a volunteer. He says you can't even volunteer for another military unless you're a citizen of that country. And some will give you citizenship in order in return for volunteering. But nobody, you'd ask Stephen the question of, 
when did this get put into place? Because you said it was, was it your grandfather, nobody? Uh, my uncle. Your uncle. So not too long ago, uh, Korea, was it? Was he fighting no, Korea? No, beginning of World War II. World War II, okay. Uh, and so he was able to fight for the Canadian government at the time? Uh, yeah. So when, when was this put into place? Stephen, you said you knew the answer. Yeah, so um, give a little quick history real quick, because mercenary work has drastically changed. So World War II, um, there's this idea that Pearl Harbor got hit, and then we turned all of our factories into war machines. Not exactly true. Um, prior to us getting involved in World War II, um, we were producing a lot of planes, like lots and lots and lots and lots of planes, like way more planes than we'd ever need. And what was happening is we were giving guys, um, we were giving American-trained pilots these planes. We were renting them out for, for pennies on the dollar. We were allowing them to go over there, and we were letting them fight on behalf of friendly nations. Um, when you see an aircraft with the, the tiger mouth, like the tiger teeth, that's what that is. They're American-owned planes that are being rented out by Americans to go fight wars on behalf of our allies. Um, and that is the exact reason that at the end of World War II, the Germans were like, this has to come to an end. Like, they were devastating. Because essentially what was happening is you had a, my favorite word, decentralized military that was getting a lot of leeway, and they were attacking the junk out of stuff. Um, the, the Red Wings, that movie about the black guys that became pilots, what a lot of people don't know is they didn't become officers until well into the war. They were essentially contractors. They were back then called mercenaries, but at the end of World War II, they said, hey, this stuff has to stop. Well, Vietnam, Korea rolls around, um, and there's a need for, like, um, there's a need for experience, essentially. So they create this branch in the military, or they create wings in each branch of the military that allow them to have some leeway, um, but that doesn't work. Um, so Vietnam comes around, um, and the CIA kind of holds the, the keys to the kingdom when it comes to PMC work, um, which was very, very lucrative back then. Um, Desert Storms rolls around. Um, it was too short to get a lot of PMC work involved. Uh, 2000 hits, 2001 hits, the towers fall, and then all of a sudden we need everybody on the ground doing everything. And here's where things get really tricky. You're involved in what's called the global war on terror, which didn't end a couple months back when we left Afghanistan. Did not end. Of course but not. it it takes a lot of paperwork and a lot of formalization to get guys into uh, war zones. And it takes a lot of paperwork to get U.S. military troops into war zones. So the way they do this is, is the Secretary of State says, hey, which one of you multi-billion dollar companies wants to employ guys to carry guns in this area on behalf of the State Department? And that's how they get through that loophole, is it's the hmm. State Department. They don't call them mercenaries, they call them private military contractors. Okay, but I missed the answer but, to the question, if you if you answered it. Nobody had asked you when Well, they he said that at the end of World War II, the Germans apparently were very upset 
because these guys, uh, these Americans who were fighting with the British and the Canadians. Well, why would so anyone would have cared effective. what the loser of World War II wanted in that case? Was, yeah, I wondered that too. Why? Why would they? Why would they have they no care? sway? Are you well, saying that? Good. It was the the Germans were very vocal about it, but also the Russians were vocal about it. The Chinese were vocal about it. The Japanese were vocal about it hmm. because here's the deal. If you're in the military, you obey the orders of those appointed over you. If you're an officer, then you have to agree to not do certain things and not order certain things. But if you're what we call now a PMC guy or back in the day, a mercenary, um, you were in a lot of ways commission-based. So you want the big dollars, you go after the big targets. And in Nazi Germany, um, there were a lot. Of, there was a lot of inside mercenary work. Um, Germans were attacking the German uh, military mm. in isolated circumstances, but they were doing it in big ways. They were doing it in real big ways because they were getting that big money. Interesting. Okay, so and, you're saying that the restrictions on mercenaries being able to be used internationally by uh, governments were put in place after World War II. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And every everybody's got to work through. Um, we do it through the State Department. I'm sure Russia has something. I'm sure. I'm sure uh, Ukraine's got something. But every country does it. They just call it something else, and they don't allow it to go through their Ministry of Defense or the Department of Defense or whatever the ministry of peace so then presumably the ukrainians ministry of peace so so presumably then the ukrainians are perhaps giving these people citizenship in order to bring them into their military those people who are coming over there to fight on their side it is um and i know a guy that's over there right now and apparently there's there is a lot of dissension we were talking about it because he went over there with you know, fifteen thousand, twenty thousand dollars in stuff, mm-hmm. and they were just like, "Oh, um, we're going to use that as a group now." And he's like, "No, this is these are my personally owned night vision goggles. These are four thousand dollars. Now they you belong to, to the state. <laughs> yeah, he got and nationalized. From, yeah. And from from what he has said, um, he's essentially taking orders." which mm-hmm. violates international law because he's supposed to be under a contract to do a particular task in a particular region mm-hmm. for a particular purpose, for a particular point in time. It's all contracted out. If he violates his contract, he becomes a war criminal. Like, wow. I don't, but like, who on the international very- <laughs> scene is going to accuse Ukraine of violating international law except for you know Russia, Russia? Or, or China Russia, or something? China, um, Anybody with half a brain. But they're basically um, protected. I mean, essentially, Ukraine, if they violate international law, can get away with it because they have the backing of the United States and Europe. Well, so here's here's where it gets tricky, okay? Um, historically speaking, if you want to make your country look good and people are doing dumb stuff and they're violating international law, you don't send, you never send your officers before international courts. You can sometimes send your um, enlisted guys into international courts, but it really behooves mm-hmm. you if you're gonna if you're gonna try to make yourself you're gonna try to virtue signal. It really behooves yourself to go. Oh well, what happened was we gave this contract out to the State Department under the guise of the president, the and then the individual 
who had the contract violated. Ah, uh, okay. So they throw the contractor under the bus. Right. Thanks, Stephen, for the call. Thanks for the inside info. Uh, definitely appreciate it. Answered all the questions. And if you didn't know, governments will steal your stuff. Don't let them do that. Yeah, don't trust them. Definitely don't volunteer your services to them. Uh, you cannot trust these people. They'll get you killed, too. Uh, more coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. Thanks, Stephen. Free Talk Live. Phones open. If you want to join the show here, you can. The number is 603 6160 That's 603-283-6160. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. Nobody. And Chris. Join us online anytime over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that we have there, and I'm happy to announce that as of this week, actually as of yesterday, uh, we have now changed the cam feed over at cam.freetalklive.com for the few people that might have actually ever watched us through our website. Because there's, you know, we're on all these different streaming sites. You can obviously go to video.freetalklive.com or watch.freetalklive.com. That'll take you to our Odyssey stream. But we now have the ability, thanks to Odyssey, uh, who've now made it possible to embed our live stream into our website. It wasn't possible until two days ago, uh, so they they sent me an email to let me know because I was I was asking them for it as a as a feature. And one of the things I got to say about Odyssey is every single time I've asked them for a feature, they've implemented it. <laughs> so uh, that's amazing level of customer service. They're a great organization that actually cares about freedom of speech. Uh, they're they're like the one place on the internet now that you can actually see RT's content. For instance, they haven't been thrown off like they have uh, from you know YouTube and and everywhere else. So really love Odyssey, really love what they're doing over there, and now if you're on freetalklive.com and you're watching us there, you are no longer seeing our Twitch feed, which means you get an advertisement from Twitch. That's gone. Now you're just watching the pure Odyssey feed straight over at uh, at cam.freetalklive.com. So just an FYI, if you're not yet subscribed to us on Odyssey, get on over to video.freetalklive.com. That takes you right over to our Odyssey channel, and you can follow us there. We really would appreciate it. So, Chris, let's get back into the story that you brought in tonight uh, about this new piece of legislation that is threatening not just programmers, that would be bad enough, but threatening users of uh, something crypto, a platform, a crypto itself. We're not real clear on what... It's the potential for sanctions on software developers, node operators, and miners at a minimum. So, Section 3 of... Miners, you say? Yep. Okay. But also users, I think was said. They said users. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Section three of the bill goes beyond merely calling for secondary sanctions on non-compliant foreign cryptocurrency exchanges. And it it additionally calls for sanctions on anyone who significantly and materially assisted, sponsored. Wow. Don't sponsor a uh, a crypto exchange or an event or something like that. Mm. um, Or provide financial material. Or technological support for goods or services. Uh, I guess don't provide support for it either, like end user support, uh, Mm. to or in support of any sanctioned person. Let's look at each of these in turn. Exchanges. Placing sanctions on non-compliance overseas cryptocurrency exchanges is at least a calibrated response. Treasury officials have repeatedly identified non-compliant overseas cryptocurrency exchanges as the most meaningful 
remaining gap in effective AML CFT controls. AML stands for anti money laundering. I don't know what CFT yeah, stands for. I'm not sure for. what that is either. Um, I'm not sure. Hmm. Uh, I feel like I, I feel like it's on the tip of my tongue, but and have suggested that this rather than unwarranted. Oh, al- I got it. Combating the financing of terrorism. I had to look it up. That's what CFT really? stands for. Yep. Oh, that's not what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, rather than unwarranted, I think, it, I think it's actually stands for uh, cartel for trust fund baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rather than unwarranted alarm over so-called decentralized exchanges or unhosted wallets, should be priority for the policymakers. Nonetheless, the president already has the authority necessary to create the secondary sanctions on exchanges, regardless of this proposed legislation. So now, that- what is a secondary sanction? It sounds like they're targeting exchanges that are not u.s based yep they're saying it there's international exchanges that are quote-unquote non-compliant meaning in an international exchange is like well i don't have to follow your sanctions right. united they're trying States. to enforce u.s law on on people that aren't operating within u.s jurisdiction yeah and so they're what saying what are we gonna do tonight brain same thing we do every night try to take over the world, world. yeah so it sounds to me like, and I just, you know, I'm, ex- I'm just guessing here. They're saying secondary sanctions. So the primary sanctions are the ones on the certain Russian oligarchs, Putin, right. his buddies, right, uh, or the Russian banks in certain cases. Those are the people who've been sanctioned so far. A secondary sh- sanction would be against presumably the operators of these non-compliant exchanges. So if you're, let's just say Binance is one of them. I'm not saying they are, but Binance is one of the biggest exchanges on the planet. Uh, but they're not based in the United States. There is, they do have a U.S. division, but anyway, let's just say it's Binance. What I would presume the secondary uh, sanction would mean like the Binance CEO would then be targeted by uh, sanctions, meaning he wouldn't be able to come yeah. to the United States, he'd be arrested, or or whatever that would mean. Yeah, that's right? what it sounds like to me. Uh, that there was are- actually one of the major things that China and Russia cited in the joint statement they made about three weeks before the invasion of of the Ukraine when they reaffirmed their, uh, their friendship and their uh, desire to escape U.S. hegemony was that the U.S. will just randomly enforce its laws outside its borders where mm. it has absolutely no authority. Yeah. There are an uncountable number of persons who can be said to provide material, technical support, or open source software. <laughs> I, I, I really love that one. Wow. Open source software. I mean, they were literally talking about speech. Goods to power cryptocurrency networks that are overwhelmingly used for entirely legal activities. Like the internet. And its protocols. However, these tools, once public, can be used by anyone, and some users of those tools may be illicit. Right? This is like this is like outlawing the a web browser because you can access sites that contain illegal materials. It's yeah. I mean, literally considering that the internet is necessary for any cryptocurrency to to work. If you're going to uh, sanction. Um, you know, anybody who works on cryptocurrency, you might as well sanction anybody who's, who uh, works for an ISP well, or works bill, for an Internet backbone site. We don't have enough time to cover the, like, the, the whole article yeah. here, but um, this bill is so overly broad, it could potentially include Internet service providers like your ISP. Um, that's how broad the language of this bill is right now. So mm. that's crazy. Okay. I mean, it's basically... Well, the good news is... If you've paid off a lot of politicians or you're rich or you're a banker, you know they won't use it against you. They'll just mm-hmm. use it against the little people. Yep. 
Further, the definition of digital asset transaction facilitator makes clear that the intent is to direct the president to target all manner of innocent persons in the cryptocurrency space, including persons in the business of affecting transactions via a communication protocol. This is the this is that overly broad wording mm-hmm. um, or one of many communication protocol. I mean, that's literally like TCP IP potentially uh, language, which mm-hmm. we must point out is strangely similar to language in use or in the current overbroad and constitutionally suspect sec rulemaking on exchanges right i don't know if you guys remember that but the sec uh has uh had some rulemaking stuff they released a while ago no i don't know mm. uh well yeah they did and it's it was basically like there was advice on like what the what they interpreted the law or the rules to be and it, it was contradictory and it just kind of oh, surprise yeah, yeah it was it actually it actually created more questions and answers because they would give you like an example that contradicts what oh they said God. in uh, what the rule was so mm-hmm. it, yeah it yeah. reminds me of uh something Anne rand wrote mm-hmm. where she said you know government has no power to uh control free men the only power it has is to crack down on criminals so if your society doesn't produce enough criminals to give you the level of power that you want you make everyone a, pr- a criminal yep. by passing so many laws that you can't turn around without breaking one and then you cash in on the fear yep ah uh, so true today yeah definitely Again, in cases where any of these parties have both the knowledge and intent to assist a sanctioned party in circumventing sanctions, it may be reasonable for the president to use existing authority to implement secondary sanctions. So, your ISP. <laughs> However, it is... Un- well, it claims knowledge and intent there, but earlier in the story it was talking about well, even without their knowledge. No, I think this is the the author of the article saying maybe it would be reasonable if people had knowledge and intent, but these people are but the government is going far beyond what's reasonable. Yeah, right. That's my interpretation, too. Uh, Okay. Um, However, it is unreasonable for Congress to demand, and if I keep reading it, that's that's the way it's saying. Um, However, if however, it is unreasonable for Congress to demand that the president sanction everyone matching such a broad description. Indeed, it is blatantly unconstitutional under the First Amendment to forbid the publication of open source computer code. Scary. Yeah, it, this is. I mean, not just that. Anybody who sells computers, yeah. Anybody mm-hmm. who uh, sells routers, who provides Cisco, of course. You know, you can't do anything without Cisco. They build all the big switches that all the data travels over. As long as Putin, they can say Putin was here, then they can just arrest everybody. Putin was everywhere. If you follow the law, you're 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 following a protocol. Therefore, you might be committing a crime under this new law. Good luck following the law. I know. Putin, right? ca- Putin causes myocarditis. <laughs> Out of time for tonight. You can join us online in the meantime over at freetalklive.com. And don't forget our social media site, social.freetalklive.com.